Hello and welcome to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. I'm Glenn Broggett alongside my uh, co-host, sidekick, uh, the man with the plan down there deep in the heart of Texas in the mobile studio who is good to go and ready to flow this week. I'm talking about the grizzle vet, Mike McCurdy. Mike, my friend, are you ready for another round of Wrestling Memories Then and Now? Always, man. I look forward every week to sitting here and getting to talk to our guests about their memories and what they're doing now and you know, this week's guest a little bit interesting. You know, I've known this man for a few years. So, you know, he and I have, have, have talked on many an occasion. I've actually been subject to live uh, podcasts with this gentleman. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, he's going to be, uh, well, I'm not going to say a gentleman because I know the guy. So, but it's going to be a good guest. <laughs> Wait, for, Oh, that's great. Uh, yeah, you know, you've booked the guest and uh, you were hot off, kind of hot off last week's uh, program where we uh, had a chat with uh, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. And boy, was that a, a great time. I think it brought out the child and, and both of us, the child wrestling fan and both of us, because that's what we were talking about a little bit before we went on mic today. Oh, man, I loved talking to Nikita Koloff. Like you said, uh, definitely brought me back to the childhood watching the old NWA on T- or on TBS. So you know, getting to see, you know, Uncle Ivan and nephew Nikita. And, you know, and he threatened me with a Russian sickle at the end of the show, which, by the way, you, you were willing to throw me to the wolves on that one. Hey, 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 hey. You know, it's not my fault. You know, it's not my fault. I'm not taking the blame just because, you know, I, I didn't help you out. And I, and I kind of uh, may have suggested to comrade Nikita about, you know, maybe a sickle. Doesn't mean I told him to do it now. Come on, man. I, I'm innocent in this stuff. You're trying to throw me to the wolves now. Would I, would I want my co-host to get Russian sickle? Now, let's think about this for a moment. Oh, well, I would, I would hope you would. Our guest, our guest might, our guest might throw me to the wolves in a heartbeat. But, uh, you know. Okay, but hey, how about this? I've uh, I've actually bet Mike. So trust me, I I will I will understand why you want to throw him from the key to call off sickle. I get it. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm going to have Mike introduce our guest today, and uh, I think Mike, our guest is ready to go. So, Mike, you want to give him the get the, the proper introduction our guest deserves today, and no threat of the sickle just yet. I'm I'm very happy to give this gentleman his proper introduction because you know what, Glenn. We're obviously, you know, our distribution, we're worldwide. You can find us on TuneIn Radio. You can find us on Spotify or SoundCloud, excuse me. You can also find us at RadioNorthland.org. But, you know, we need to expand our audience, kind of get out there a little bit more. Soon we're going to be available through Podbean. We're going to be available through Spotify and many other podcasting platforms because we have chosen to allow the show to kind of be distributed through a network known as the Offshoots Network, Offshoots Network based here in Texas, and today our guest is none other than the founder, the creator, the host, the man who creates a lot of the material for the Offshoots Network, none other than Mr. Trey Mack. Trey, welcome to Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Finally, we got you on. Yeah, and I have to follow Nikita Koloff. And, and you're following Nikita Koloff, man. That, that's a good thing, right? You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. You're in good company tonight. It's a job out to a legend. That's not fair. Well, you know, man, it's a good thing, though, because, you see, Nikita Koloff will be our first show available on the Offshoots Network. Currently, we're offering Wrestling Memories Rewind, which gives the listeners kind of a listen to our past guests. We have Miranda Gordy on. Uh, Dr. D. David Schultz is coming up. That's going to be the next one that I put up. But, you know, you're going to get Nikita Koloff, man. You're going to get Nikita Koloff on the Offshoots Network. Now, I don't know if that's something you thought that was ever going to happen. Sure. There's no way I can get all of them. Well, there's no way I'd get a hold of him either. Glenn worked that magic. Ran into him at a restaurant at a at a retirement dinner. 
for his wife's coworker walks into the restaurant and lo and behold, the key to Koloff's in the room. So you, you explain well, that you one. I, even I don't get it. Oh, there you go. That just proves one that there are good things that come out of Minnesota. Oh, I felt that stiff shot, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was told Mike and, and at first I, I didn't know if he be, wanted to believe me. I had to actually show him the picture of me and Nikita, but yeah, we were just going to go to this retirement party. One of my wife's coworkers, uh, one of her fellow psychologists was retiring and, you know, we went up to this restaurant. I was kind of hemming and hawing. I really didn't want to go to a Saturday night. I wanted to just sit home on my ass and watch television, but she's like, Oh, you know, come along, come along. We know we'll have fun. There'll be a nice meal. You'll talk with some of my coworkers, and you know a few of them so yeah I, I was game I figured oh why not I grumbled a little bit but I finally just gave in but I walked in we walked into this restaurant into the private area of the restaurant and he's one of the one of the first people I look at I'm like oh come on this can't be and Thief River Falls Minnesota of all damn places I'm looking at him he's got the bald head he's got the body the look and I look, and then I, we walk up a little bit closer, and uh, we get introduced. Uh, her her coworker introduces me to to Nikita because Nikita apparently was this man's brother in law. He was married to Nikita's sister. I had no idea Nikita Koloff was going to be here. My wife uh, later on, she's like, well, I think he mentioned uh, that he had a wrestler for a brother-in-law, but I really didn't think it was anybody that you would know. I am like, are you serious? Uh, this was the guy that I watched when we first got cable way back in 1980 freaking five, turning on the Turner, you know, turning on WTBS on the Saturday morning show, watching him and Uncle Ivan and of course, Crusher Khrushchev uh, and fellow Minnesotan Barry Darso on the screen and watching that whole thing with, uh, go down with Ric Flair the, the with the ultimate culmination with the big cage match in the Omni where the horseman broke Dusty's leg. I mean, this was like real personal to me. And so uh, I was completely just in awe of this. And the thing was, he was so nice, so so cool. And, you know, we didn't get into too big a deep a conversation about wrestling, but he was just, just out of his way. We chatted about he had actually played college football in a game up here in Thief River Falls and, and actually broke his leg. It's actually documented in his autobiography. So we talked a little bit about that because I think that was the first time he'd ever been back to Thief River since he was driven away in a station wagon flat on his back. Uh, so this was kind of a coming home uh, sort of thing for him. But yeah, I got to meet him and uh, we talked a little bit and then I got a hold of him again through his email and he was very gracious about being on the program. And that's kind of how we got it together. So talk about uh, something kind of falling in a person's lap. But boy, last week was just so much fun just to kind of talk to him because he's just he's done so much, not only in pro wrestling, but also in his post wrestling career as well. So that was just one of those things, one of those happy accidents. You know, it's one of those guys, too, to where you think history, you know, probably has kind of forgotten about him, too, a little bit. Because when you hear about the, you know, you know the times that WCW was trying to come up and challenge the WWE back in the 90s, he was one of those guys. But unfortunately, you don't really, uh, you know, you never hear his name. Yeah, which absolutely is it's unfortunate. He kind of gets kind of pushed to the side. But I think a lot of that, too, may have had to do with uh, some of the time he did spend away from wrestling uh, when he married his first wife, Mandy, and she was dealing with cancer and ended up inevitably dying. So he kind of just took a, a little a step out of the limelight. And just being out of the limelight, he came back. You remember when he came back, he had a full head of hair, and it was just, it didn't seem like he was clicking uh, against the NWA. He ended up uh, with the uh, AWA for a while, worked some indie 
90 shots. And then when he finally came back to, to, to the NWA, which was in their stages of transitioning to WCW, they gave him a run early. But then again, I guess a combination of injuries and just bad booking kind of cast him off to the side. Well, yeah, because that was when WCW had the Ding Dongs as the tag team. So obviously things have gone horribly wrong at that point. So That Jim Hurd era of, uh, you know, trying to make stars. I mean, you talk about the Ding Dongs. I mean, didn't he want to do, he wanted the hunchbacks. He wanted to cut Flair's hair, give him an earring and call him freaking Spartacus. I know uh, those ideas were all great and all, but I mean, that, 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 that just didn't seem to gel, and that really really kind of set WCW back a little bit for a while uh, before, uh, basically, you know, they went through a cycle of, of guys running the show until Bischoff came aboard. Always don't you think twice every time I go by Pizza Hut and think, well, no, Jim Hardy's work there, so probably not. <laughs> yeah, and what was his only other credit uh, for wrestling was, what, his connection through uh, wrestling at the chase through Muchnick, uh, but that was just on the television production side. So, I mean, that was the only real credit he got. Yeah, I, I always have a little bit of a, a, a Jim Hurd moment when I do see a Pizza Hut as well. Uh, I want to bring in Mike. Mike, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, Trey, because I'm, I'm getting to know you, my friend, but I, I know you and Mike have such a, a good connection. So I'm going to have Mike throw a few questions your way, and then I'll kind of work my way into the conversation um this sounds like a definite definite uh, fun addition to the program oh it's always well i can't say always fun when trey and i when trey and i sit down and talk but uh you know you he's got an interesting story and there, there you go in fact we're going to record episode 300 again that that's another yeah. story <laughs> yeah. unfortunately wi-fi around my house is very spotty these days so who knows but Jimmy, we've mentioned, you know, our show, we're going to be available soon through the Offshoots Network. They can find a Wrestling Memory Rewind there right now. But why don't you kind of tell our listeners a little bit about the Offshoots Network, you know, how it got started. Because, you know, you went from being basically a podcast, the Offshoots, to you have created a network with a few named celebrities in, in the wrestling world that, you know, have come on to do shows, you know, on your network. So, you know, you're kind of like the Conrad of Texas on a smaller scale. A very smaller scale um, because I can't get to a job with AEW, that's for sure. But uh, no, I um, about years ago, and I don't, and my, my, my brain is fried right now. I'm trying to remember the exact year, but uh, um, yeah, so I was, you know, I was listening to Jim Cornette's uh, podcast and uh, watching WWE wrestling and thinking, I want to really want to talk about this, but nobody's going to want to give a damn. So I had two buddies from high school that uh, also watch wrestling, kind of shared the same opinion that I had at the time. And uh, I said, well, if we do a podcast, you know, just, just a local podcast, the three of us. And uh, I was expecting at least one of them to agree with it. Well, both of them did. So we had a three-man show, three-man power trip, as Mike would call it. Um, and uh, as, we, uh, as we moved forward with the show, um, we were getting some interest from other wrestling companies here in DFW. One of them was one that, um, that, that Michael was a part of, it's ISWE. At least, uh, I think he was so much, I think he's watching just getting his name out of his phone. Getting his program's name out on our airways more than anything. As far as, like, uh, the show itself, I mean, it was actually David Fuller, the owner of ISWE, that, uh, threw out the idea, well, don't you have a network? It's a, it, it, because as a joke, I was like, hey, it's the Offshoots Network, just because the WWE was having their own, wanting to do their own network, and everybody else was having a network these days. 
So I, as, as a joke, I threw it out there, and all of a sudden that became a real thing. And then uh, one of my wrestling friends, uh, BC, who was, a, who was part of a tag team here in DFW, he wanted to do a podcast, and he started. He tried to launch his own, but he had no distribution to put a show out. I said, you can throw it on my deal if you want. Um, David Fuller actually contacted me and asked me about putting uh, ISW Radio, which was uh, both my, Michael McCurdy, Joe Sousa, and Brian Westcott on there. And that's where, and, uh, but, and, and all that was after I've actually met Mike at the time, because I met Mike uh, September of four years ago, I believe it was, or five years ago. And uh, it was at the uh, ISW show that had Jim Cornette there, which was a big part of me wanting to be there because he was my inspiration to do a podcast. Other shows kind of followed suit with that as well, and um, I became kind of a, a place to, if you want to do a podcast, hey, it's, you know, to, to do a podcast out there, you have to kind of pay for distribution through Podbean or whoever else, or you do a limited 30-minute show where it's free and then you got to pay for the rest of it. Well, I'm talking about wrestlers who can talk, so they can talk more than 30 minutes, so... You know, the idea was, hey, if you want to throw your show on my network, we can grow our listenership. We can grow, we, we can expand our different horizons out there. And um, uh, but uh, we expanded to Officers TV on Facebook, which has become more of an idea to stream live wrestling shows uh, at the actual shows while I do commentary. It's uh, the podcast has allowed me to actually have a commentary role in certain organizations because people know I can talk wrestling. I also bring a little bit of personality to it as well, to where I can have fun with it. Uh, and uh, it, it, I mean, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the tried ever since. It's been some good, it's been some bad, but you know, either way, it's been very very enjoyable. Now, you know, you mentioned uh, you know when you and I first met. It was actually 2014 at the uh, Sendera Central School Hustle, and you were just beginning uh, the podcast network. Five years later, like I said, you're at episode. 300, we hope. We record, We recorded one. I mean, Glenn, it sounded great, man. This was like, you know, podcast gold. Uh-huh. But unfortunately, due to technical difficulties, we only recorded about the first 20 minutes of it. So, But it was good, man. It was gold. It was gold. I'm telling you that right now. Yeah. But, you know, you're hitting episode 300. And like I said, you know, you actually had some really good, you know, names on your network over these past few years. You know, obviously some of your your steadfast shows, the ones that have been kind of with you from the beginning, would be one that I've always enjoyed. It is what it is with a jackass, which is, you know, if anybody has never listened to this podcast, you know, you need to sit down for an hour and listen to, uh, you know, the Jersey jackass for a little while talking about, you know, everything, pop culture, movies, wrestling-wise. It's a great show. But you've also had James Beard, the third man. You know, Rudy Boy Gonzalez, he has a podcast on your network. You've had... Well, for a brief time, you had Rip Rogers, and that was a highly entertaining show because you never know what's going to come out of, uh, you know, Rip Rogers' mouth. But how are you able to, you know, get a connection with these guys and, and get them to come onto your network? Well, speaking of Rip Rogers, I'll, I'll, be, seeing, I'll be seeing Rip Rogers this Saturday over at Sword Chambers of Wrestling in Dallas at the Elks Lodge. He'll be, he'll be hosting a seminar. And... Uh, so wrestlers who are listening to this show that are going to be at the area, uh, you know, get with Bobby Horn and uh, get in there. It's the last seminar seminar so is going to be doing. So, but uh, to answer your question, I mean, you know, uh, you know, the James Beard thing was interesting because James is the booker for Texoma Pro Wrestling, the show I do commentary for. And James and I have always had a very nice relationship. In fact, uh, 
I gave James the Killerton Brooks Lifetime Achievement Award a couple years ago, and um, which is part of the Auschwitz Award Show. And um, in doing that, uh, I, you know, he had put a book out, The Third Man, and I said, hey, you know, to help sell your book, you should put out a, po- a podcast. And he said he'd been thinking about it for a long time. He didn't know how to go about to do it, so I started to help him out with it. And then uh, we had a few. We had quite a few episodes until uh, we got real busy. I mean, he he's now booking for another show that's out of uh, Canton, Texas, and um, he's just been over in the day with all sorts of stuff. To we're sitting down doing the podcast. It's kind of not the first thing he's thinking about, which I understand completely. So whenever he's ready to roll back, you know, we'll do it again. But. Uh, you know, uh, that was how I picked him up. Rudy Williams-Dolls, uh, he contacted me. And, you know, for those who don't know, Rudy Williams-Dolls is the guy who helped train Daniel Bryant along with Shawn Michaels. So, I mean, he has a he has, he has own wrestling school in uh, San Antonio, TWA. And, uh, you know, he, he's worked out there before when it comes to uh, working as a jobber out there back in the day. He's been around the world and back again. Uh, worked with the Blanchards back in, down in South Texas. And, uh, he's, you know, he's definitely a fountain of information if you want to actually want to learn how to get in the business, how to save your money, how to, how to uh, prosper in this business and make it to where wrestling is your job and, and uh, you can make money at it. And he, he hit me up one day and says, hey, I can we do a podcast. Can, do you have room on your network? And I said, I always got room because my space is unlimited. Uh, he came on there and he, he, he sporadically puts a show out there every once in a while. Um, we had our time finding the name of the title, but there's always a meme out there that some of the wrestlers would put out saying, let's get serious, and so we just named it that. The the adventures I've had, the people I've interviewed, the people who've actually joined the network, um, you yourself, you know, being on the network before with ICW Radio, um, now coming back with Wrestling Memories. Um, you know, I mean, once again, it's, you know, it's one of those things to where if you can bring content to the network that can reach different parts of the audiences, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. You know, uh, if you and I have the same kind of crowd, well, that's probably not going to benefit anybody. But if we can uh, grow the thing together and get people from all over, I mean, I've, I've covered all 50 states. I've covered, you know, worldwide. I've got, I've got a huge listenership in Europe, which I can't imagine why they listen to me, but still. Apparently, apparently we're big in Germany. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Now, when you first started, um, what kind of what, what issues were you, did you have, if any, when you first started on trying to get you know interviews and all? Because at first it was just the three guys, you know, you and your buddy just kind of talking what you watched on WWE. But then you went on to wanting to do cover more text area. But obviously, you know, you know as well as I do, the dressing rooms around here sometimes they don't take to a guy from the outside very well. And sometimes they kind of push back a little bit. What were kind of some of the, you know, obstacles that you faced when you were first starting to approach these guys and saying, hey, I want to have you as a guest? Well, like my first guest was a wrestler named John Famous. He reached out to me and said, hey, I like your show. I want to be, on, I'll be a guest on your program. I've never interviewed anybody before. And if I can ever find that interview, it's the worst piece of crap you've ever listened to on my part. And, um... But uh, I took that, and then I said, this is kind of fun interviewing guys. So then I started looking out, to, and I looked on Facebook, and I started sending out feelers. Uh, former Billy Hills out of uh, Illinois, he was one that I reached out to. Um, Tyson Dean, who would later go on to become the NWA North American champion, he was like my third or fourth guest. 
Ryan Ocean, who's been around the world and back. Uh, same thing with him. Then I started going to live shows and introducing myself and telling them what I do and, and just saying, hey, look, you know, uh, you know, a little bit about me. I used to be a wrestler. I don't do it anymore, but I like to promote you guys. I like to get your name out there. Um, you know, podcasting is a good way to do it because back when I wrestled, it was, you know, if you have a videotape of yourself, send it to all these different promoters. Now it's, you know, we can go online and stream your stream your, your matches and see how you did and see if you're worth taking on or whatnot. And uh, a podcasting is pretty much just getting the word out, find out who you are. And I always tell people you can do it in character. You can be you can be the real person, do whatever you want to. I'm not going to hold you back. You can say whatever you want. And uh, a lot of people have enjoyed it. Now, I have had my share of hiccups where I've interviewed a person I had no research on, and uh, that came back and bit me in the ass, a.k.a. interviewing Masada. But uh, all in all, though, I mean, it's I mean it, it's, it's a hell of a platform to get your name out. And... I remember one of our wrestlers out here, Jerome Daniels, pulled me aside one time, and it's back when he didn't really like what I did, because he thought I was in the process more more worried about getting myself over than I was the boys. And he said, "If you made this, if you made your show about us, you'll get more people to want to listen to you because they want to find out about us." So slowly, I started changing the show around a little bit to target those guys as far as making them the, the focal point of the show. And sure enough, that worked. Um, now, it does have a shelf life, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, it, you know, I've hit that point in my life now to where getting people to do interviews, I mean, I can interview the same person again and again and again, but when no one's listening, does it really matter? So I try to, I, I'm trying to, you know, broaden my horizons again. It's just a matter of getting started with that all over again. But at the same time, I'm doing a podcast where I can talk to WWE again and bring on my buddies, and we can kind of shoot, shoot, you know, shoot for what it is, and then uh, go from there. Which is kind of what you know you and I end up doing because every time you and I get on to do a a show, it's always a multitude of topics that we end up covering: some good, some bad. Uh, <laughs> just wait till tonight. But um. Oh, I can't wait for tonight, man. Maybe we'll talk a little. We'll maybe we'll talk a little Hell in a Cell. You know, everybody everybody loves that show. You know, at least they love the main event. I think that's all I saw. But so you know, did that for what it's worth. I watched it all. All right, Glenn, I'm going to pass the mic over to you for a moment. Maybe you got a question or two about Dre and a little bit about the Offshoots Network and when you know our new home on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This sounds like uh, some pretty cool stuff here. Uh, I mean. Talking about yeah, getting getting guests. I mean, I, I totally can relate to that. I mean, when I started here at Rasslin Memories, uh, it this initially was an, uh, a basically an offshoot of uh, a show. I did a, sh- a short run thing for uh, the radio station up here about Minnesota wrestling and independent wrestling and Minnesota pro wrestling history. Excuse me, and it was through that that I uh, got connected with uh, George Shire, a Minnesota pro, uh, pro wrestling historian extraordinaire, uh, and also uh, through Mick Karsh, and uh, and a well known announcer up here in the Midwest and beyond. And uh, after I did the interview with Mick, we had a great interview. I hit, and then uh, Mick set me up with George. 
whose uh, book I had just read, the the history of uh, you know pro wrestling in Minnesota, which was a very good book, and I was able to connect with him, and we did this interview, and it was only going to be a half hour. We ended up doing uh, probably around an hour to ninety minutes. And after we did the interview and I edited out the pieces uh, and, and played them back for George, he he called he connected with me on Facebook and he's like, you know, maybe we should get together and, and, and do some, some weekly programs. So we kind of came up with, you know, some times that would be available to do it. In fact, when we first started, we were doing it live in studio here for two hours and you know, it was so, so much fun, but it was also, you know, with live radio, you know, there's always so much uh, that could go wrong. But through our time, you know, with, with George and I, uh, I mean, just being able to uh, talk to some of these guys. I mean, when we look, you, you'll go in and, and Mike will be uh, introducing uh, more of the archive here, both some of the with some of the stuff that we've done together, uh, Mike and I through the years and uh, some of the stuff previous with George. I mean, just how many really, really interesting guests and uh, how many guests, uh, you know, through the years that have uh, since passed away. I mean, we had a chance in our, it must have been our third episode to talk to Billy Robinson, uh, who was uh, an AWA uh, pro wrestling you know, star from, from England. And it was so interesting because he had put a book out that talked about uh, pro wrestling and also shoot fighting and the like. But it was so cool to be able to get to talk to him and to talk to Dr. X, uh, uh, the destroyer Dick Byer. And, and and Nick Bockwinkle of all people, it was like so many so many doors that got open, and then after a while, I used the the same type of thing you use, you know, going through Facebook and getting connected with with all of these wrestlers through the years. I mean, uh, Mike, I, the list is definitely a pretty extensive one uh, through the years uh, on wrestling memories through our listening. I mean, I remember when we had you on the program, Mike, uh, doing some uh, world class history. Yes, that was that was probably about like five years ago. I just listened to that the other day, by the way. Oh yeah, you know, talking to world class history and all that. So yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My, I might post that up on the, uh, you know, my first wrestling memory debut. I might post that up on uh, offshoots eventually. We'll yeah, so, so it was like, you know, I kind of got to, you know, learn under George and kind of uh, learn how to keep the flow of a, of a program. But some some weeks, you know, it was always so fun just to kind of sit back and, and uh, listen as George, you know, because he has just such a wealth of knowledge. Talk to these guys. I mean, just we did almost uh, I think we did almost a 90 minute interview with Dick Byer and Dick was in the car traveling and he was so full of uh, so many great stories. I mean, there was other people in, in the mix as well, but. Mike, what did you think about uh, wrestling memories when you first uh, came across it? You know, I enjoyed it when they uh, when it when I first did the show. I mean, you had messaged me and said, "Hey, we'd like to have you on." I hadn't done a lot of interviews by that point in time yet, so you know, I enjoyed it. I always loved talking with George Shire. Knew him from CAC, you know, and that's one of the things I like about you know doing the shows with Trey is that you know he and I have known each other for you know a few years now that. We kind of have an interesting uh, just kind of vibe between the two of us, and it's really easy to, uh, you know, do an interview and do an offshoot show, you know, kind of like with you as well. You know, I mean, you and I, we, we, we clicked after a few shows, and, you know, they're not more like interviews, they're more like conversations, which is kind of what I enjoy about a podcast mm-hmm. instead of just a straight question, question, answer, answer. Oh, absolutely. It, it goes beyond just the, the obvious stuff. I mean, uh, how many times have, has a certain guest heard the same questions? And, you know, it's also it's a good way to, uh, you know, ask a few questions to kind of get get kind of a gauge of what their their mood is in and, and you know, where they're at. Because, if, you know, it, it's a big difference when you are just, you know, letting them you just relax because you, you get more uh, real long form answers instead of just simple monosyllabic. Uh, yes. No. Maybe. 
you know, barely above uh, one syllable type of answers. And that doesn't make for good radio. Yeah, Trey, have you had those situations? Uh, you mentioned Basada, but have you had situations where sometimes the guest it takes a little bit to pry out of them to, to get get them to talk and to get them to open up a little bit to you on, on, on your programs? Yeah, in fact, one of the worst interviews I ever did was with the WWE superstar, um, beautiful Bobby Eaton. And uh, Bobby probably didn't have any idea who I was. I'm pretty sure that was the case. And I had his manager on the phone with me while I was interviewing him. And a lot of it was, and I've told Mike this a thousand times, but it was, it was more like, hey, Bobby, I really liked your work over at WCW. Uh, you, you know what it was like back in, the, in those days? That oh, was fun. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Okay, well, then, uh, I, I, I'm your master, your master, you have Ric Flair back in WCW. I mean, what was it like being in the ring with a guy like Ric Flair? Oh, I like Ric. He's my buddy. Yeah, it, it, it's just finding okay, that. Okay, well, um, yeah. You know, being part of the Freebirds, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, being part of the uh, the Midnight Express and, and working with Jim Cornette was like, oh, it was a good time. So, okay, well, thank you very much for your time, sir. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what I turned into. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it does happen sometimes, and sometimes you got to find, sometimes you have to dig a little bit to find that little bitty piece of something that he's going to talk about. You know, one thing about when you interview a wrestler is that ninety nine percent of them gotten into wrestling because they loved wrestling you know um there's always that few that have just kind of fell into it because they thought it was a nice acrobatic thing to do but generally a lot of people came up loving wrestling getting their memories of it like you guys do talking about what actually fueled that fire for them to do it that's you know i have that to compare to on my on my end because you know i was i was at wrestlemania 9 in las vegas when i got when i got hooked as far as wanting to be a wrestler I remember sitting in my house in 1985 watching the Night Main event when Roddy Piper showed up and interfered with Uncle Elmer's wedding. You know, growing up in Texas, I never once watched a world-class show. So, I mean, there's so much I missed out on just because I didn't know that there was such a bigger world out there. So, because I, all I knew was WWE at the time. See, I grew up. I grew up here in uh, northwestern Minnesota, and uh, we, uh, where I lived, is was about twenty miles or so from the Canadian border. We're about uh, maybe two hours from Winnipeg. So I, uh, I got a lot of not only just AWA in the early nineteen eighties, but I was also um, exposed to uh, some of the, you know, the stuff that would be on the Winnipeg channels. They'd bring in some tapes from 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 Calgary. I remember watching some Stampede and just being amazed of the the rookie year of Owen Hart, and I was. Watching watching uh, this West 4 Wrestling Alliance uh, that Tony Candela ran out of Winnipeg for a while. And then he had a co- he actually had a working arrangement with another AWA promoter by the name of Eddie Sharkey. I remember watching these pr- shows that led up to this big event at the Winnipeg Arena that had you know Bruiser Brody uh, against Bob Bulldog Bob Brown. And I could still remember. And I, I and every once in a while, I'll go back online because they still they actually have the match online. But that was kind of my stuff, too. And I remember for Hulk, for me for Hulk Hogan Hulk Hogan to me was uh, the guy challenging Nick Bockwinkle you know for the AWA championship as I was a kid and when he moved to the the WWF I didn't at first kind of didn't know what to make of it because you know I thought hey I, he's not wrestling Bockwinkle anymore so the WWF was kind of came a little bit long, along a little bit later because of McMahon you know buying into our market you know with his show and also watching the Maple Leaf wrestling uh, part of the WWF programming but you know for me, like Hogan and you know Dr. D. David Schultz and, and Ventura and those guys, my memories of them were uh, sitting with me, Gene, Mean Gene Okerlund with the AWA symbol in the background promoting uh, upcoming events at the Winnipeg Arena and around the loop. 
Oh, I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, like I said, there's so much wrestling back then, and there's becoming more, much more, much more wrestling now, especially on the streaming issues, where you can actually you can watch the Von Erichs again with uh, the new Von Erichs with the MLW um, on uh, YouTube, and now the NWA just kicked off, and there's so many places you can watch wrestling now. It's, it's a good time. Yeah, it's it's almost a, a comparison to uh, what it was like in the mid nineteen eighties for people who had the big satellite dishes or lived in certain markets with cable and had a lot of uh, different wrestling and where a, a person could watch you know nearly twenty hours of wrestling a week if they had the right right connection or lived in the right part of the country or world. It's kind of cool now to uh, not only see some of the new stuff on the streams but also you know a lot of people you know a lot of kids you know my age you know, who didn't have a certain territory. Uh, YouTube has been such a was such a godsend for me when I when they started uh, putting up these you know all these various territories it was like I was playing catch up for all the years that I I read about these guys uh, in the regional reports in the uh, the the Stanley West and you know after magazines I mean it was I mean there's just so much uh, you know so much content I mean nowadays I mean it just seems like we've entered into a, a brand new uh, wrestling uh, boom uh, as far as like content getting across because you know you mentioned. You know, you, you got the MLW, which is uh, they have on BN Sports, but they're also available on YouTube. You uh, have your, your AEW now on TNT. Uh, speaking of YouTube, I mean, this uh, just dropped as we are recording today, uh, the NWA Power. And I uh, just got a chance to watch that here the other night. Uh, a return to some of that old uh, TV studio wrestling that first I first got to see back in 1985. So watching all of that was, was just so it's just so much fun. And there's just so many great uh, outlets to watch wrestling uh, here in 2019. Very true. Very true. I want to know what your opinion is, though. I mean, have you had a chance to watch the uh, the NWA uh, Power episode here that just uh, aired? As we are we're talking today, uh, uh, have you had a chance straight to, to check out uh, that that one hour yet? I caught the main event with Nick Aldis and Tim Storm. Um, you know, it, for me, it was a personal thing because I, I know Tim very well. Uh, he's a member, he's a member of my Hall of Fame here on the offsuits. And uh, in the storyline from going in, saying this could be his last match wrestling for the title, uh, it was very intriguing. They thought they did a really good job building it up, and it's been a long time coming. Um, I, you know, I remember uh, I talked to Tim recently. We were trying to find uh, a woman Hall of Famer for the offshoots, and he, he was very instrumental in getting Jazz involved in that. Uh, I mean. I saw briefly what they did with the studio thing, and 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 uh, I like the old school feel. It was very, I mean, it reminded me a lot of USWA. Um, I really dug, I really dug that whole thing, and I, I think a lot of shows can, can benefit for that. I mean, because it, it was a two sided thing for the fans to see the show. It was, um, um, you know, all the other ends of the other ends of the uh, the walls. You can see where the studio was set up and everything else. That was very cool, and. Uh, Fans are on top of each other, which you want to see. You want to see empty seats. So I think, I think they did a really good job of uh, putting that together. And I'm, I'm like, can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. I know a few people who are who are going to be a part of the NWA. Um, uh, Thunder Rosa has signed on to be a part of them. I think Chandler Hopkins can be on the NWA here very very soon. Chandler Hopkins is a very he's a very young wrestler here in DFW that's really starting to shine. Um, a lot of a lot of guys have been in the business for a while. Andy Dalton. Um, Bear Brown, a lot of those guys. Bear Brown, the former junior heavyweight champion for NWA. Um, I want to see them, you know, get those opportunities and uh, 
get a chance to expand their name, expand the horizons, and uh, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I got to ask you though, what did you think when when you when the news broke that Billy Corgan had bought the the NWA because Billy, of course, had a you know a well publicized sort of breakup when he was making his foray into Impact Wrestling, and that kind of ended ugly for him. What did you think as a fan when you heard about uh, you know Billy Corgan buying the NWA and having some plans for it? Uh, did you really think that he was going to be capable of, of of doing what he's doing right now, getting a show out there like like Power? What what was it about it? What what did you think uh, when you know Billy Corgan? Of course, we knew him from Smashing Pumpkins. We knew he was a wrestling fan, but him actually, you know, putting his money where his mouth is and buying the NWA. What did you think that? Did you did you have uh, good thoughts, bad thoughts? Where where was your head at when you, when you heard the news? I was optimistic because I knew the NWA needed to change. I knew that it had become a dying a dying brand, which sucked because the people that were still representing it held it to the highest standard, and unfortunately, that I mean, I mean it had no. I mean, it had no awareness in any type of wrestling magazines and no type of awareness, you know, in the world out there outside of WWE because they were the one-trick pony out there. And uh, to see what he's done with that brand, to build it back, and, you know, and still paying homage to to the old guard, but moving forward with the new one, I think it's very smart on his part. And, uh you know, the thing is, is that uh, you got the right people in place to do all that. You can't just do it by yourself. Even the sick man can tell you he, he didn't do that by himself. So it's going to be, you know, I mean, it, it's growing pains. It's a lot of, uh, you know, what ifs. But if those what ifs are paying off, which I think right now they are, um, it'll really help out the NWA for what it is and bring it back to national prominence now. Will it be the same as it was back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s? Probably not but it'll definitely be a brand that's uh, to be dealt with. What are your thoughts on Nick Aldis being the NWA champion? I mean, he's got a lot of talent. Uh, what, do, what do you think uh, about him being the, uh, the torchbearer for the company at the moment? I think you couldn't have found a better guy to do it. Uh, he came to uh, Walks a Hatch a year, uh, a couple years ago as one of the shows that I was working at, and uh, they put the uh, NAWA towel around him for about for a few seconds, and then one of our guys, Jerome Daniels, came in and cashed in and won the belt from him. So that gave kind of Jerome Daniels a little, you know, a, a quick jump start to put to his ledger saying, hey, he beat the NWA heavyweight champion and, t- and took a title from him at one time. So he has that on his ledger. But, uh, you know, the cool the cool thing about it is is that they found a guy who is very flair-like, you know, um, as far as uh, the personality, as far as uh, moving, you know, moving the needle. I think he can do that. I think he needs different competition right now. I think you'll get that here as, as they move forward. I just hope that we can separate the guys who are the flippity flop kind of wrestlers to the guys that are truly wrestlers. So I think those the guys that are truly wrestlers who can bring the fight to you is what's going to make him a better champion. When you're doing all the flips and all the flops and all the stuff that's you know that's highly choreographed and not and there's no no any wrestling factor at all to it. I think that takes away from what these guys are trying to accomplish, but that's just my opinion. Wrestling's moved that way, obviously, and people love Ricochet, but I'm like, well, would you ever put a title around Ricochet? That means something, mm-hmm. you know, because you know, he he can be your U.S. champion, he can be your NFL champion, but would you put the would you put the company's uh, title around him and say, okay, you're the man now? With all the flippity flops and all the things that he does to get injured. Look at Daniel Bryan; that didn't help. That didn't help him out at all. 
I also like the fact that they they have uh, NWA has also brought in uh, Cowboy James Storm. I mean, I've seen him wrestle uh, with Impact down in the Impact Zone. I've seen him wrestle some uh, Impact house shows. And this was just a guy waiting for a for a spot because he has all the I think he has all the tools and talent. It just seems like I, I think he's been uh, horribly misused through the years uh, th- through Impact. And I think it's now you know with the NWA having the U.S. title on him, I hope that that can lead to more stuff with him as well, kind of just like with Nick Aldis. Uh, you know, another way to up their profile and and their credibility. But the problem with James Storm is, is that he has the one thing that he had that he can't go. He has the one he has the one nasty cracker that you just can't get away from. That's time at battle. But unfortunately, age catches up to you. Also, now he's had the luxury of not having to travel as much, so his body's not as worn down as most. But um, at the same time, you know, age is still a factor in this business. I mean, you know, if, if he can keep up, great. I mean, look at uh, AJ Styles. I mean, he's one of the oldest guys in WWE. He's only been there for a few years. But, uh, you know, but he's hanging up here after his last contract. So, I mean, you know, these guys got to get the most out of it while they can before, you know, time runs out. Oh, most, most definitely. Mike, I'm going to bring you back into the conversation here on Wrestling Memories Then and Now, talking with Trey Mack from the Offshoots. All right, man, I appreciate it. Sounds like you guys have a little bit of a good conversation more than, you know, and Trey is being very eloquent today too, which is uh, you know, very impressive. <laughs> but no, uh, Trey, you know, all joking. There you go. All joking aside, man, I do appreciate you coming on as a guest this week. Um, what I'd like to talk about a little bit is, you know, part of the, as you know, Offshoots Network. You know, you have your network of podcasts. But when you started five years ago, the podcast scene wasn't as large as it is now. You mentioned a Jim Cornette experience. I believe Steve Austin may have had a show by then. Um, Jericho might have started Jim Ross, but now, you know, there's a multitude. It seems like everybody and anybody and everybody has a podcast, whether they're a WWE, AEW, NXT, whatever group they're from, everybody seems to have a podcast. There are podcasts specifically about wrestling and movies, which I, I love listening to. And of course, you know, you have what I'm referring to now as the Conrad Network. Um, what is your opinion of the podcast scene now as far as you know, what's available, you know, what's good, what's bad, and, you know, what are some of the things you're listening to right now? Well, anything that Conrad Thompson's put together, he's been a guest on my show before, anything he's done right now is pretty much gold. Now, the bad thing about that is that some of the shows kind of are carrying the same thing, where they're talking about the same wrestling shows that each one were a part of, and, you know, you can only hear, you can only hear something about Hell in the Cell to tell I think when, once Bruce Richard got on the uh, on the podcasting landscape, the business, the business changed, and uh, people like that. They, they like the insider stuff. That's stuff that I don't have. That's stuff that no one else has except for Bruce. Um, you know, Jim, you know Jim Ross. I mean, Tony, Tony Schiavone, and uh, um, even Arn Anderson. I mean, th- those guys come in. They do their thing now with with uh, Conrad. And they're really nice, you know. They're really nice to hear things you would never really hear from. And let's face it, Conrad used to have Rich Flair as, as his main topic, and Flair was just not a good podcast because he's because he because Rick, Rick Flair would bring on a guest and talk about himself. I mean, okay, great. I mean, we can all do that. But um, you know, as far as part, I mean, I like a lot of movie podcasts. I like a lot of uh, reviews of older movies that I've seen and see what people's take is on it. Um, you know, I'm still trying to expand my my horizon when it comes to some certain podcasts. 
I like what we do. I like what we do. I like BC shows, one of my favorite shows on the network. I'm all listening to him before I listen to me because I hate the sound of my own voice. Um, I, uh, I, I like, uh, you know, I, when you, when you and, uh, Joe would have for ISW radio, I least listen to that because you guys would make it interesting. You know, y- y'all would do something different than what I was doing. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, I listen to this about anything. I'm, I'm a talk radio guy. I listen to take it down here in Dallas. So obviously I don't listen to a lot of music stations. So if it, if you keep me interested, I'm listening to you. And see, there's the, there's the key right there. Sometimes is keeping interest. I know what you're talking about about the Rich Flair show because that was Woo Nation. That was where you're actually first introduced to Conrad. Nobody even knew who he was. You know, it's kind of funny to look at that now. But you're right. Ric Flair kind of told us about himself, or information, or would give information that was not entirely 100% valid, or not even close to being the truth. Which does, I'm sorry, kind of hurts the, uh, you know, the podcast thing and. Another thing about podcasts that I'm enjoying now, which isn't as big a thing as it was, is they bring them on, they talk about, you know, the behind the scenes, or they'll bring on a guy and they'll do an interview. You don't hear interviews as much. Mostly it's talking about current product, past products, stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of them don't give you, like, the the dirt that everybody wanted. Because for a while their podcast, just like a newsletter, was the dirt sheet. You wanted to hear all the rumors. You wanted to hear all the bad. You know, oh, I heard this. They don't do that anymore. Like you said, now now they're informative, they're more entertaining. You know, Glenn and I, we never really dig for, we ask people ahead of time, is there anything you specifically don't want to talk about? Sometimes the guests will tell us, yes, we don't want to talk about this person. You know, other times they'll be like, no, nope, you know what's cool, it's an open book, ask away, which is great. But I think, unfortunately, sometimes podcasts take the liberties and they want to, you know, they want to try to get that dirt. They want to try to get the, they're, they're a tabloid type story, which luckily, you know, shows with like, you know, on Conrad's and everything like that, those aren't the case, you know, as well as the offshoots network. That's why I went to Glenn and said, Hey, you know, we need some, you know, we're looking for other distribution. My buddy runs the offshoots network. It's going to get us through Podbean, Spotify, all the other podcast platforms. So, you know, it was a great opportunity for us to come on here, expand our audience, which I think is a great thing that, you know, you know, your network is doing because people from all over the U S are hearing guys like, you know, BC, uh, Nigel rabbit, his, you know, queen show that, Star Wars podcast, they're hearing some fun stuff, including one you are now doing with uh, uh, Ernie Mac, your your brother from another mother, I guess, where you rate top 10 movies for different I've listened to all the shows. I thought they were great. I disagree with some of your Robin Williams, but, you know, we can talk about that another day. That's true. But, I mean, but, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun because, I mean, but the, but the best thing on podcasts is it's uncensored. You can say whatever you want to. Um, you don't you don't worry about the FCC coming down and saying, yeah, you can't quite say that, though, buddy. But at the same time, you got to make it interesting so you're going to roll people in. I think that's what we try to do as best we can. Um, and uh, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's been a fun ride. Now, I, I will say this. The one thing about wrestling podcasts that I really do not like is that they pull the curtain back way too far. You know, I'm, I'm still a big believer in the magic show. I still think if you go to the magic show, you don't want to see how the trick is actually performed because it'll take away the fun for you. You want to see the trick happen, and you go, wow, I was amazed. And I think because too many people stick their, their nose behind the curtain so damn much, that it's taken away the luster and the, the, the fandom of wrestling to where now, you know, you have the problems you had at Hell on the Cell, and you have the problems you have with certain promotions that just can't seem to get it going because people know what's going on backstage too much. And with podcasts, I try to stay away from all of that stuff because... 
in my opinion, absolutely, that's not the fans' business. I mean, you know, let the performers perform and let the fans go and watch and cheer and pay their money, buy the merch and do all other stuff. So that's kind of my, my stance on the whole thing. Well, you and I had that discussion just a couple of days ago with, uh, you know, the Hell in a Cell, which you and I will be discussing uh, tonight when you and I record episode 300.1 or version one, version two, whichever. But, you know, Hell in a Cell, and I refer to this, and I've talked with Glenn about it too, is now you have the era of the hip fans. You know, oh, it's cool to be AEW. They're like the cool thing to be into, so everybody's into AEW. I can't go to the grocery store without, you know, wearing a wrestling shirt without somebody. Dude, what do you think about AEW, man? What do you think about NXT? And it's like, because, you know, NXT is the hip thing, even though it is part of WWE. Um, AEW is, you know, the hip thing. NWA power might be the, you know, dislocated or broken hip thing, but it's fun to go back to that type of, uh, you know, television broadcasting like that. But unfortunately, the hip fans that, oh, this sucks, let's chant AEW. And that's how Hell in a Cell ended. A booing crowd and people chanting AEW. Is that going to do anything? No. Are those same listeners and viewers going to watch Monday Night Raw the next night? Yes. Are they going to watch SmackDown on Friday? Yes. Are they going to order the pay-per-view? Yes. Are they going to cancel the network? No. But the hip thing is to be, oh, dude, I know all about the backstage. Let me give you my opinion, which in a lot of cases is worth about, you know, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean for me personally, it just, I mean, it takes the fun away for, for me. And, uh, you know, fans want to be hip, that's great. The thing is, is that it's kind of oozing wild. That's why, why, do you, why do you think the ratings have gone down and that it be? Because there's other there's other choices, there's other programming issues. So if you can find something else there to watch, they're going to do it. And cancel the network, I cancel it because I say I'm saving dollars right now. Um, you know, and I need, I need that ten dollars. So that helps with the uh, Disney Plus coming out. If I want to go catch CBS All Access that's got the Star Trek shows on there. I might want to check those out. But I'm not going to sit there and continue to pay something I'm not seeing anything on. And that's that's one thing they're really struggling with right now is just you know they got tons of content, but they don't have to distribute as much as they used to, and uh, kind of the theory less is more. You know, if you give me less, I'll want I'll want to see more of it. I think Raw doesn't doesn't attract the viewers anymore. It goes on too damn long. So if you go three hours long, you you have me sit there and go one thing and end. SmackDown last week was great because it was two hours. It was solid. It was. Um, you know, every match had a big fight feel to it, which was great, which is, you know, about the sport and professional wrestling, which is, you know, something Vince McMahon really wants to get away from, but it actually worked. So, good stuff. I sat, <clears throat> I sat and watched the uh, SmackDown premiere with my son. He was looking forward to it and all that, and we had a lot of fun with it. But my son, and this is, this is kind of funny, you know, he's watching it, and he sees Brock Lesnar and Kofi Kingston come out, and I'm like sitting there, and he he asked me. He said, "Dad, what time is it?" I'm like, "It's like 8:53." He goes, "Oh, great, seven minutes, and the match is just starting. Brock Lesnar is going to win." This is an eight-year-old kid. Yeah, <laughs> he's an eight-year-old kid. He realized there's seven minutes left. This is going to be a squash. But the but the best thing about that is that the match wasn't about Kofi Kingston, and he was a champion. He was it wasn't about him. It was about Cain Velasquez coming out. It was about that shock and awe of seeing Lesnar run. That's what sold. That's what sold the main event, and which I, which I made a joke on Facebook about. You just picture Vince McMahon looking at Cain Velasquez saying, 
my God, man, how did he beat Brock Lesnar in UFC? Did he beat him in a Titan contest? What's going on here? But, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, obviously, you know, they they achieved what they wanted to achieve. They might have pissed off some people because people were saying, well, Kofi, you know, you, you killed Kofi's spot. You killed, you know, you, you're burying Kofi. Now, Kofi had the title for damn near six months. So he didn't kill anything, okay? Just, sometimes in wrestling, you turn the page. Sometimes you, you go to the next adventure. And right now, this is where we're at. Having a champion on TV that's going to be there sporadically builds excitement. It builds box office. And that's where I think people seem to not understand the Brock Lesnar as a champion thing because they want to see their champion on TV every week. Well, you did that with Kofi, no one tuned in. You did that with John Fain, with uh, with uh, John Cena, no one tuned in. You did that with CM Punk, and now a lot of people tuned in. So now you have it on the guy who's sporadically there, and now the interest is there again. When's he going to show up again? And I think that works out for them. Now, for a quick second, did you think Dominic shaved his head and just came out with his dad? For a brief second, I thought that. I'm like, well, no, I think Dominic's a little bit more taller than King than Velasquez. But I don't know who Cain Velasquez was. But the thing was, I know I knew Lesnar fans knew who he was because they follow Lesnar. So this was this was definitely a big, you know, oh dear Lord, what's going to happen now type thing. I will admit, I, I you know, I'm a fan. I, I like Cain Velasquez. So when he came out, I did. I realized this was not Dominic with a shaved head. My first thought was, holy, what are we going to do here? And it did, did you know, it got it allowed me to be a fan for a minute and enjoy it, which I think is great. When you can do that for someone, whether you can enjoy and just go, wow, I want to see this now. And obviously they're supposed to face in on Halloween in Saudi Arabia. That's the big thing. And if people are going to tune in and watch it. I'm going to tune in and watch it because, you know, a little bit different territory for Cain Velasquez. But, you know, it's a good storyline, like you said. Yeah. Well, guys, it looks like uh, we're getting close to the top of the hour here for our time this week here on Wrestling Memories. Uh, I'm going to let Mike have the last uh, question for you before we uh, head out. And, Trey, I look forward to being a part of the Offshoots uh, brand. It's going to be a, a fun time, and we're going to try to give you as much cool content as we possibly can. So it was nice to meet you, and, and uh, hopefully we can uh, talk a little bit down the road here. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me on. Mm-hmm. Now, Trey, before you go, before we close the show, I will give you this opportunity you know, to let our listeners know through, you know, this, what kind of shows can they find on the Offshoots Network? You know, what would you recommend somebody watch? You know, because some of our listeners are going to be new to the Offshoots. Uh, well, I recommend the Offshoots, of course. Uh, go back and catch the interviews that we have. They're all labeled. Um, and people get to know some of the talent that's here in Texas because, I mean, we, we Texas spawned Keith Lee in the NXT, so we can bring that big guy up. Brooks like Ethley did. You can listen to some of those interviews. BC's is what is with the Jackass. I listened to that one as well. Um, of course, uh, there's my, my mind's really a blank right now. But uh, um, just to I me, mean, we have all one. The uh, go check out all the different varieties of shows we have on there. Uh, and uh, if you see anything with Carl and I attached to it, uh, just understand that's going with a disclaimer that uh, your IQ might drop a little bit, but you'll be all right. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, just enjoy the, enjoy the network for what it is. And where can they find the Offshoots Network? Go to iTunes. Is your best bet if you have an iPhone? Uh, if you have uh, a Samsung, uh, I would I would check out Stitcher before I would go to Google Google Play. 
Um, you can also go to theoutshoots.podbean.com. That's the uh, the main official bill. You can also uh, like the, the Outshoots on Facebook along with Outshoots TV. Outshoots TV is where we actually um, record a lot of the wrestling shows at uh, at um, the actual the various locations that we do shows at. Um, also, uh, plus, plus you can check out some of the the vignettes and stuff that some of our local talent does as well. And, uh, you know, um, and, and you just go, go to Google and Google the word offshoots podcast. And then there's like a litany of all sorts of places you can go to. So just go check us out. All right, Glenn, I'll pass the microphone back into you. Well, yes, indeed. This has been a fun and interesting, educating and enlightening edition of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. For the Grizzled Vet, Trey Mack, I'm Glenn Broggett. So long for now.